Well, we're excited about featuring different artists throughout this series and just love Matt and the song that he wrote for us as, as uh, we get to just um, be renewed in Christ. So just good, good stuff. Well, welcome to The Crossing. So good that you are here. And we are finally kicking off Transformed here at The Crossing and so excited to do that. And I want to welcome our brand new microsite in St. George that is launching today. So glad that you are a part of The Crossing family. Very, very cool. Microsites are these uh, little gatherings of small congregations of people who are part of our services. They're watching our services online. We have them across the city and across the United States. And so this is our newest one. And uh, we're excited to be adding these. We have about 15 that are going to be adding this year. So excited about these microsites being a part of the Crossing family. Well, my wife has two favorite people, and I'm not one of them. She loves Chip and Joanna Gaines. I don't know if you know who they are. They have a little show called Fixer Upper, and you may have seen this. And, and here's what they do. They say, we take the worst house in the best neighborhood, and we turn it into our client's dream home. And so they'll take a house that's either run down or it's out of date, and they'll blow out walls. They'll put in new kitchens, new bathrooms, new flooring, new paint, and they transform the whole thing. And here's the reason we love it. We love to watch transformation in progress. This has been an interesting year for my family because my youngest daughter, Taylor, graduated from college and got a full-time job. I remember for each of my three kids dropping them off at college on that first time, and we cried all the way home. Well, now all my kids are done. They all have full-time jobs. I got the biggest raise of my life. <laughs> I'm not crying much anymore these days. But I wonder, where did all the time go? Where did all the time go? I remember when I would come home when they were little, and they would run and meet me at the door when I got home from work. And they would grab onto my legs, and I would walk around the house with them on my legs for the next few minutes. Well, these days, if anybody is home when I get home, there's times where I will have been home for 30 minutes. They're like, hey, Dad, when did you get home? <laughs> well, I've been home for a little while. Well, I can remember standing on the side of of soccer fields and softball fields, standing on volleyball courts and tennis courts and cheering my kids on because I wanted them to do their best. We would build forts in the back bedroom and we would play with Barbies together and we would build these Lego mansions. Well, these days, if anybody comes over for dinner, the conversations these days are about jobs and about weddings and about future grandkids. And as much as I miss those old days... As much as I, as I treasure those, there would be a problem if my kids came home and said, hey, let's go build another fort in the back bedroom, or let's get out the Barbies. We just want to pray with all the Barbies today, because we grow. I, I want my kids to grow. I want them to achieve their goals. I want them to be all that God wants them to be, because we love to watch transformation in progress. You see, staying in the same place is not an option. And while we know that that is true with our kids, sometimes in our spiritual life, we just accept that as normal. Here's the problem. The problem is there is a gap. There's a gap between where you are right now, and we'll call this you transformed. There's a gap here. And where you are right now is not bad. 
Because life is fine. Marriage is fine. Kids are fine. Relationships are fine. That life is fine. But you know that God has so much more for you. You know that God has something more for you. Well, this series is about that gap right there. This series is about what God wants to do in the transformation process of our life because God's desire for you is to be transformed. God wants transformation over the next 50 days. We're going to take a big step in that transformation process. Here is this thesis for this series. It's this, is that the further away you get from God, the more your life will be troubled. But the closer that you get to God, the more your life will be transformed. And so that's what this series is about. We're going to focus right here on this transformation process. And this entire series is based on this scripture out of Romans chapter 2, chapter 12, verse 2. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we're going to build the next eight weeks off of this thought right here to be transformed. So I want us to say this out loud together because this is going to be our theme verse. Let's say this together. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This Greek word transform is the Greek word metamorpho. It's where we get our word metamorphosis. This is the process where a caterpillar goes through to become a butterfly. Maybe you've seen this happen, where you see a caterpillar begins to build this cocoon, and inside the cocoon there is a change that happens. And finally, they begin to break the edge of that cocoon. And it almost looks painful as that butterfly comes out. But this, there is this transformation that happens, this metamorphosis. The idea is a change that happens within. And this word transform comes from two Greek words, to form and after. So you have to begin to ask the question, to form after who? It's to form after Jesus. That's what transformation is about. It's to form after Jesus. But I want you to notice something. There is God's part and there's our part. God's part is to transform that only he has the power to change me from the inside out. And then there's our part. Our part, the Apostle Paul says, is do not conform to the pattern of this world. Look at the scripture again. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I'm going to talk about that in a couple weeks, how we renew our mind. But he says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. See, we all want to know what God's will is. We all want to know, God, what is your will for my life? Just tell me what your will is. We want to know that. Well, the Apostle Paul says that when we are transformed, when we go through this transformation process, then we will be able to test and approve what God's will is. We'll be able to test, is this God's will for my life or not? We'll be able to begin to to know whether this is God's approved will or not. Well, we kick off this series with two applications of transformation. It's this, is number one is that we can't do it without him. Number two is he won't do it without you. Here's the first part, is that we can't do it without him. See, he doesn't say, stop looking like the world and transform yourself. Just get yourself together, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, read 27 self-help books, put a whole bunch of effort into it, go to the gym 14 times a week, just get yourself together. No, it says, be transformed. This is God's work 
in us that we cannot do it without him. This is God's plan for you. Here's how the Apostle Paul writes this in in Romans chapter 8, verse 29. He says, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son. That God's plan for you from the very beginning was for you to become like his Son. That was God's plan from the very beginning is that you would become more and more like Jesus. One of our values here at The Crossing is that transformation is an expectation of every believer. That it's not okay for us just to stay where we are. That this transformation process, this is the expectation for every believer. In Galatians chapter 4, it says this. It says, my dear children, for whom I'm again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. God's goal is that Christ would be formed in you. And the Apostle Paul tells us that we can't be transformed without him. Well, God uses three tools in this transformation process. As he begins to shape us into who he wants us to be, he uses three tools. Number one, it's God's Spirit. The key is to surrender to the work of the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was given to certain people for a specific purpose. The Holy Spirit guided the children of Israel and Moses through the desert for 40 years. The Holy Spirit was given to them to guide them. The Holy Spirit was given to Joshua to give him knowledge on on how to lead the people. The Holy Spirit was given to David and to the prophets, to Gideon. That the Holy Spirit was given to certain people for a specific purpose. But after the resurrection, the Holy Spirit is given to all believers. And what happens when you become a Christian, when you surrender your life to Christ, when you repent and are baptized, the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, moves into your life and begins to birth change if we will cooperate with Him. Here's a scripture that I shared last week, Romans 8, 11. It says, the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. So the same spirit that took Jesus out of the grave after three days, that rose Jesus from the dead, is the same spirit that's in you, helping you to become more like Jesus. As followers of Jesus, we live in the flow of the spirit. Think of it like this. Think of it like a river that's flowing, that the river has a source. And as the river is flowing, that you place yourself in the middle of that flow. That's what the Holy Spirit is. That when we place ourselves in the middle of the flow of the Holy Spirit, we're paying attention to the Spirit. We're keeping in step with the Spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. See, this is God's desire for your life, is that you would have freedom. And when God's Spirit is involved in your life, it brings freedom to us. See, the first tool that God uses in the transformation process is his spirit. The second tool is God's word. God's word. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. That the word of God It is alive and it's active. Almost on a weekly basis. I'll be out in the lobby and as I'm greeting people, somebody will come up to me and they'll go, Shane, you were talking right to me. It was like there was nobody else in the room. It's like you live at my house. You were speaking exactly to me. Well, you need to know that's not me. 
That's God's word. That, that's God's word speaking to us. It is the truth of this book. See, the truth of this book, it heals and it restores. That this book has guided Darla and I's marriage for the past 30 years. That this book has guided my parenting decisions, my money decisions, my relationship decisions. That this book has guided me for my entire life. And I don't always like what it says, but it's truth. It is truth that we surrender to God's word. That part of the transformation process, the tools that God uses is his spirit and his word. And number three, God's people. That we were never meant to do life alone. And here's what's interesting about this scripture in, in Romans chapter 12. When he tells us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, the rest of the chapter he talks about relationships. The very next verse he says, do not consider yourself more highly than you ought. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. Think of yourself with sober judgment. He goes on to say that we're all part of the body of Christ, that every single person has a specific gift for the body of Christ, that you were giving something specific to serve other people. This is the chapter where he says, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn, that it's the body of Christ that we come together, that we serve each other. This week, I leave for Cambodia with a, a team of about 10 people from the crossing that we serve an incredible ministry in Cambodia called Agape International Mission. And what they do is they rescue girls and women out of human trafficking. And they provide safety and security for them, then give them job training. Well, just this week, they rescued the 100th underage girl. With the commandos went in, they rescued the 100th underage girl and rescued her out of human trafficking. Pretty amazing. It's part of hundreds of stories and thousands of lives that have been changed. But this week, we're going to have the opportunity to work with some of these children. But the main reason that we're going is we're going to, we're going to be doing this retreat. There's 60 or 70 people who are part of this mission on the ground, Cambodians. And we're going to have the opportunity to do a retreat. I'm going to have the opportunity over the next 10 days to be able to teach them each night, to be able to talk to them. Because, see, this is what the body of Christ does. See, what, when they're doing what they're doing to make a difference in the world, then we come together and we encourage them and we come alongside them and we help them because God uses his people in this transformation process that we can't do it without him. But here's the second part. He won't do it without you. He won't do it without you. We can't do it without him, but he won't do it without you. Some of you are old enough to remember the old cartoon Popeye the Sailor Man. Remember this cartoon? When he was frustrated or he wasn't sure what to do or felt inadequate, he had a saying. He would simply say, I am what I am. I am what I am. And he accepted it as who he was. He didn't pretend to be anyone else. Not bad advice. But it's kind of sad at the same time. He's like, don't get your hopes up. Don't expect too much. I am what I am. And then he would add at the lowest of his moments, I am what I am, and that's all that I am. I think that sums up a lot of us. I can't change. I just am what I am. I mean, you should accept me as I am because I'm not going to be able to change. That I'm just going to stay right here. Well, transformation is possible for you, but God won't do it without you. God won't do it without you. Paul tells us, do not conform to the pattern of this world. 
When I was a student ministry pastor, I did it for 10 years. Loved junior high and high school students. I was a student ministry pastor all the way through college. Then about five or so years in St. Louis. And that's why I moved to Las Vegas. I came to be the first student ministry pastor of a church in town called Canyon Ridge Christian Church. And that's what brought us here. Well, as I was working with these kids one week, there was one of our students who got in trouble, was arrested, and he was thrown into prison. And the next Sunday, his dad found me in the courtyard. And as I saw him coming up to me, I thought that probably he wanted to talk about how I could get into the jail to see his son or how we could kind of put a plan together to, to begin to rehabilitate his son. But that's not why he wanted to find me. He, find, he found me and he started pointing at me and he said, I bring him to church every week so you can change him. And then he said, I'm not making this up. He goes, it is your fault that he got thrown into prison. Well, as a 26-year-old, I didn't know what to say. But now as a 40-something-year-old, <laughs> I know better than that. As long as you blame someone else for your problems, then you are never going to make progress in what God is doing in your life. There's a story about Jesus in John chapter 5. Where Jesus comes to this man who has been paralyzed for 38 years, unable to walk for 38 years. He's laying by this pool that oftentimes people would come. It was usually the poor communities because they couldn't afford doctors. It was those who had illnesses and, and physical di disabilities. There was this belief that every now and then there would be this, this invisible angel who would come and show up and would stir the waters. And then whoever got into the pool first would be healed. Now, the Bible didn't say that that's actually the way it worked, but that's what these people believed. Well, Jesus shows up on the scene, and he comes to this guy who's been there for 38 years, and Jesus asks him, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? This seems like an odd question, doesn't it? Because he has been unable to walk for 38 years. Of course he wants to get well, right? Right? Well, I can tell you after working with all kinds of people that I've discovered that that's not an odd question. That's not a weird question because I'm convinced that not everyone wants to get better. This guy had been there for 38 years. It became his identity. It became the way that he made a living. And Jesus asked this guy, do you want to get well? Why would he ask him that? Perhaps it's because Jesus knew that you can't just help people who need help. You can only help people who want help. And you cannot change what you are willing to tolerate. So let me ask the question, do you want to get well? I mean, really? Do you want to get well? Because that's what this series is about. This series is about transformation. It's about what God wants to do in us. And here's where we find ourselves. The problem is, is, is we find ourselves conformed to the pattern of this world. We find ourselves stuck right here, conformed, and we get into this vicious cycle of our life. It's this never-ending cycle because we want to be up here, and what happens is we're down here, and we start feeling guilty about it. We start feeling guilty because everybody we know seems like they're more spiritual than we are. And everybody spiritual you know seems to get up at 4 a.m. to pray, and so you start feeling guilty. And so what you begin to do is you just decide you're going to try harder. You're just, you're just going to try harder. You feel guilty about where life is, so you're just going to try harder. 
And because everybody you know who's spiritual gets up 4 a.m., even though you're not a morning person, you're going to get up at 4 a.m., and nobody wants to be around you at 4 a.m., you're not very nice at 4 a.m., Jesus doesn't even want to be around you at 4 (laughs) a.m., but you just try harder and you try harder. And then, then you get tired. You just get fatigued. Because this whole process is not really working the way that you thought it would work. And so you quit. Say, I'm giving up. And then you start over again because you feel guilty. And some of you, you have been on this process for year after year after year where you feel guilty. I'm just going to try a little bit harder. I'm just going to try a little bit harder to do a little bit more. And then you get tired and then you quit. And you go on this vicious circle. Well, this series is about this gap right here. And here's what you need to be reminded. That we know that we're saved by grace. But we also live by grace. We begin to live by grace in what God has for us and for our lives. That we live by grace. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about this transformation process. We're going to talk about it holistically. We're going to talk about being transformed spiritually and emotionally, and intellectually, and physically, and financially. We're going to take every single aspect of our life and begin to see what does transformation look like in this aspect of my life. And that's what this series is going to be about. So we have about us coming alongside God and what he's doing. And so as part of this, we want you to set some goals. That we want you to set some spiritual goals because goals help us to focus on what God can achieve. It gives God an opportunity to begin to shape you. And at the front of this book that, that we're walking through, it's part of our daily, our daily stuff and our, our small group, there's a section here where at the front where it talks about goals. And you don't have to fill all those goals out now. In your small group, you're going to be talking about that each week. And so you'll figure out what is the goal for that week. And then you'll take that goal and you'll put it at the front of your book. And so by the end of this, at the front of your book, you're going to have seven goals of how God wants to transform each aspect of your life. These achievable goals of what God wants you to do. And as we're walking through this study, we're going to see God begin to make progress in our life. That you can't be transformed without him. But he won't do it without you. He won't do it without you. So we surrender to his spirit. How's this transformation going to happen? We surrender to God's spirit. That for a lot of us, we say, I need the Holy Spirit. And you're like, Holy Spirit, I need you. I need you to come because I don't know how to get rid of this addiction on my own. Holy Spirit, if if where the Spirit is, there is freedom. I need freedom in my life. I need for you to do something. And so we're going to rely on God's Spirit as we're going to go through this process. We're going to start making some goals in our life and rely on God's Spirit. And the second part of this is we're going to lean into God's Word. We're going to lean into God's Word. That part of this, this daily devotional is you're going to start next Sunday. This, the daily devotional starts next Sunday. So you have this week off and you can begin to kind of prepare yourself. And on next Sunday, we're going to start. And then over the next seven weeks, we're going to have this daily devotional. We're going to focus in on God's word. We're going to let God's word begin to transform us. Because when we're in God's word on a daily basis, God begins to do something. And then transformation happens through God's people that I think that there is going to be some providential relationships in your life that God is going to use to shape you and to mold you. 
That God is going to place some people in your life to help you. Here's what's pretty cool is we have 220 small groups, transformed small groups, that are kicking off this week as part of this series. That's pretty amazing. And we have a group for you. If you want in a group, we have a group to get you plugged in as we have thousands of people who are going to walk through this. I love what Dallas Willard says. Dallas Willard says, it's not God's intent for you to do what Jesus would do but for you to do life as if Jesus were living in your shoes. That's transformation. It's not just trying to do what he would do. It's trying to live your life as if Jesus were living your life. Now I realize that all of us, we're in different stages on this spiritual journey. Many of you are spiritual searchers. And you think, I'm not even sure about this whole Christianity thing. I don't even know if I get this whole whole thing. Well, this is a great place to begin, to start to investigate. Some of you are brand new followers of Jesus. And here's what's cool is there is an excitement in you about growing, about taking that next step, and you're going to see transformation happen in you in a significant way. Some of you are spiritual stumblers. You say, I'm a follower of Jesus, but I've not been walking very close to Jesus in my life. Well, this is a great opportunity for you to start over. For you to have a brand new start. And some of you are fully surrendered followers of Jesus. And you are going to grow deeper than you have ever grown in your life. And in the midst of you growing deeper, you're going to bring some people along with you on this journey. The Apostle Paul writes this in Philippians chapter 3. He says, not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. No one has more for you in mind than God does. No one believes more in who you can be than God. No one is willing to invest more in you becoming that than God. No one will celebrate more of the transformation that's going to happen in you than God. And no one will be more patient with you on this journey than God. We can't do this without him. And he won't do this without us. And so the question is, do you trust God enough to be transformed? Let's pray together. God, that's our desire. God, we're starting this journey because we want transformation to happen. God, we want to surrender ourselves to your spirit. God, for us to to have your word that's guiding and directing us and to allow people to speak into us. God, do a transformation in us, in each of us. God, take us to that next step of what you would have us to be. We pray all this in the name of the one who died for us, Jesus. Amen.